part of my pride in being a Vermonter is how we always rise to the occasion. No matter what's happening, people just rise up and take care of each other. I can't tell you how wonderful it is to be in this community, in this state, in this region, you know, the way folks just take care of each other with, without even needing to be asked. They see a need and they jump up. Hello and welcome to Vermont Untapped. That was mask maker Vicki Lamprin from Bennington. This is the second episode in our three-part Mask Maker series. In part one, we explored what led individuals to start making face masks and how that shaped their experience of the pandemic. We also met my co-conspirator and co-host, Textilian Eliza West. Hey, Eliza. Hi again, Mary. Today, I thought we could talk about the many ways people, communities, and businesses came together to support each other in the mask-making effort. Yeah, like Vicky shared at the top of the show, people pitched in in so many ways, including sharing materials and tools. So my sewing machine stopped working, and um, two of my coworkers actually offered me sewing machines they had in their closets. So I, I brought those two home and learned how to use them. And then we became great friends with the local sewing machine repair guy. I'm a quilter. So I literally used up my quilting stash. And if you know anything about quilters, <laughs> you, you don't touch a quilter's stash. That's just, you know, that's priceless. But went through that really fast. So I kind of reached out and said, hey, what do I do? I would request on Facebook and I would say, you know, if anybody's got stuff in their stash or you know of anybody who's got stuff, um, can you send it and can you pre-wash it? Everything was donated. Um, I did have to pay for things like the nose pieces and the elastics and shipping and the filters. But um, it was really important to me to feel like I was giving back. But the community also donated, you know, someone donated the 25 yards of adorable fabric they bought to make their child curtains, but he's already graduated from college now. <laughs> Things like that happened a lot. So <laughs> it was really beautiful how many people were just coming up with different ideas. In my filter design, I put up as a Google document online and you could see thousands of people accessed it. These community collaborations were important because it was really hard to get information or materials in the early days of the pandemic, but it was also an important way of fighting the isolation of lockdown. For the first several weeks, I thought I was the only person, and that was a terrifying feeling. But feeling like, oh, that we're all in this. Anybody who can sew is doing this. We're pulling together. And seeing the numbers come churning in on that Facebook group. And I felt gratified, too, that the numbers in Vermont looked so good. We, we were obviously taking this very seriously. And we were um, helping each other. And in our little quiet ways, I just envisioned so many people at home stitching away, um, trying not to watch the news too much and trying to also know what was going on. Social media allowed people like Nancy Bell, who you just heard from, to feel connected to something greater than herself. The connection provided by social media also helped people to find smarter ways of getting masks out into the community. 
Very quickly, they started the Southern Vermont Sewing Facebook group to keep us all connected and started a Google file that had a list of the organizations that were in need. So the hospitals, the retirement homes, a lot of them, the fire departments. And it was very wonderful of the coordinated group to uh, keep a database of who needed masks and how much so that anyone in the area who needed masks could put a request into the database and then anyone could volunteer and say, I will make 40 masks for the Women's Freedom Center, here they go. Or, okay, Green Street School needs 200 masks, here's five people doing that. And that coordination was wonderful. People were also gathering online for moral support and community. Volunteer sewing groups like the Chittenden County Makers, who were sewing honeycomb pattern mask kits prepared by Vermont Teddy Bear Company, were able to share both tips and tricks and a common sense of purpose. Going back to the Vermont Teddy Bear Mask Makers, a Facebook page was created for people to join. And so I joined that and we would... Um, ask each other questions. Well, how, you know, how did you turn the corner, you know, on this particular pattern or, you know, where can I find some more elastic? And some of us would post photos of our finished products. Some of us would post photos of trouble areas. So yeah, it, it was really cool to do, you know, that piece as well and make connections with people who had a common bond and a common mission. To me, this need to adapt and come together felt a little like a war effort. And much like a war effort, one of the struggles was shortages of supplies. I know you remember the toilet paper shortage at the start of the pandemic, but did you catch when Roz mentioned there was also an elastic shortage? Oh yeah, almost everyone we talked to mentioned this. Now you have to remember, Mary, that at this point, there was no elastic. Everyone ran out of elastic, like overnight. Let me tell you, elastic was like a hot item. It was very hard to find elastic. People were trying to make elastic to wrap around for the, for the ear loops, and it could not be found. And so we had to look into, if you don't have this, what do you use? You know, people gave us shoelaces. People, you know, gave us T-shirts that we were ripping up to make ties. And I know a friend of mine, she said, oh, I heard you can use bungee cords. So she dropped me off some bungee cords. She's like, inside, they're all elastic. So I cut one of them apart and that wasn't going to work either. <laughs> I even used like office rubber bands on the very first few of them that we used because, because that was all I had that would work. That last line really gets me. That was all I had that would work. There were so many limitations during the early pandemic. It was so stressful. And it also required us to become resourceful, both individually and on a group level. That's really true, Mary. A few of the stories we heard about Elastic are also really great examples of individuals, groups, and businesses coming together. Yes, I'm thinking of Aaron Agoyo in Montpelier. Aaron is the Central Vermont Coordinator of Days for Girls, a volunteer group which sews reusable menstrual products. 
Back in March 2020, she asked her team of sewists if they wanted to transition their sewing efforts to making face masks, and she ended up coordinating the Central Vermont mask-making effort. Which I, the entire time, assumed we would only be doing for another week or two. Over time, Erin's group of volunteers grew to 36 people. She created pre-cut mask-making kits, consulted on sewing techniques, and connected the dots between makers and organizations who needed masks. It was simultaneously the fastest and slowest thing I've ever done. <laughs> so I would get, you know, 55 forwarded emails of someone saying, my family needs three, my family needs two. And then my daughter and I would sit up, you know, until 10 p.m. in my sewing room and I would call my friends and say, I'm going to leave, you know, 50 pre-cut masks in a bag in my driveway and you can come and get it. And, and we slowly tackled all of those emails and we connected hundreds of our neighbors with masks as well as groups and organizations. I, I'm not sure how many people we protected from COVID, but I know that there was a lot of community connection fostered there. We met Erin through Mary Margaret Groberg, who owns a sewing and craft store called Notion in downtown Montpelier. We were five months old when COVID hit. Um, so I was open for five months and then immediately closed for three. While Erin was coordinating things from home, Mary Margaret was helping out with the supply chain. Though her shop was closed to the public for the first three months of the pandemic, the store's inventory contained what rapidly went from a handy sewing supply to a truly essential ingredient for masks. I carried elastic, and I think that from the day I opened, I had sold maybe a few dozen yards of it, but really it was kind of sitting there. Um, you know, I, I had bought it on big rolls, like... 200 yards of white, 200 yards of black. Um, and that had been sitting for five months. Um, and Aaron called me over the weekend, I think probably like the first, you know, like March 14th or whenever that was, and was like, um, I'll take everything you have. <laughs> like, Oh, because she had kind of started she was like amassing materials and like helping people find materials in this moment when materials were so hard to get. So she was like buying up every yard of elastic that she could get her hands on in order to serve as a distribution point for volunteers. That that was the beginning of my whole life being about elastic for like a while. <laughs> so I super lucked out in that the distributor that I happened to pick when I opened somewhat arbitrarily because there are lots of places that you can get elastic wholesale. Um, this distributor happened to keep the gravy train running longer than others did. Um, so I continued to be able to get elastic from them and I kept doubling my order every time I got elastic from them. So since March, 2020 to date, I sold 13,000 yards of just elastic. Um, and that is not counting the elastic that we bundled into mask making kits, which accounts for another approximately 2,500 yards. Um, and then we also made our own masks. So um, Notion in total was responsible for either the materials or the actual fabrication of almost 10,000 masks which is crazy, but it just totally hit me like a truck. 
Like who knew that this was going to be the thing? Mary Margaret and Aaron were both essential parts of the effort to make face masks in the middle of the state. South of there, in the Brattleboro area, another Vermont business was also finding creative ways to solve the elastic problem and make PPE for Vermonters. My name is Eli Coglin galbraith I'm the co-owner of Shapeshifters with my partner, Krista Coglin galbraith We are a custom binder, chest binder, and sports bra company, which means we make spandex-based undergarments that either flatten or hold the chest. The type of sewing that Eli and Krista normally did at Shapeshifters was pretty different from the type of sewing that goes into face masks. We worked in spandex entirely for 2014 through spring of 2020. It was pretty much all that we did. We do not sew cotton, but we have industrial sewing machines. So we could do bulk work really fast and we could make a whole bunch really fast once we hit a rhythm and figured it out. Eli and Krista did a great job of pivoting their sewing from spandex to cotton. But it turns out that the material shapeshifters usually worked with, though not right for face masks themselves, was a perfect substitute for elastic. Ah, elastic strikes again. Oh, snap. We here at Shapeshifters were able to fix the elastic shortage in our area because it turns out if you cut a strip of spandex thin enough and pull on it, it becomes essentially as good as ear loop elastic. So we literally just sliced up our scraps and our offcuts that were too small to make binders out of and turned them into ear loop strips for the local mask making group. That was my big contribution is I have stretch fabric. You need a stretchy thing. Have a stretchy thing here. Shapeshifters really came to the rescue of many other sewers in the area who were trying to get masks on faces. As a small business, they were also able to connect and coordinate on a larger scale with other local businesses. At one point, I sold like a whole 50-yard roll to Vermont Glove because they were going to go ahead and slice that into strips for their big bulk mask-making operation. And, you know, in a normal time, you don't cut a whole roll of fabric into strips, but it was what we needed in the moment, so we did. Vermont Glove made masks. Warp and Weft, which is also in Brattleboro, who mostly makes children's clothes, made masks. Warp and Weft is is smaller than us, and Vermont Glove is many times bigger. There was a span of time there where Warp and Weft got an order that was too big for their studio, so they sent them to us. We got an order that was too big for our studio. We sent them to Vermont Glove. Vermont Glove got an order that was too small for them, that was below their minimum, so they sent them to us. There was a span of time where we were just figuring out and coordinating and matching needs to production capacities in a truly efficient way that uh, made me kind of feel like capitalism could never manage this kind of coordination and efficiency. It was, it was when we were all working together to just make the most masks for the most people at the best and most efficient time with our current capacities that we communicated and were able to do something and we were not in competition with each other at all. That's 
This community effort to adapt and collaborate in order to make masks isn't something you could have organized on a national level, even a state level. This was a moment where localized, grassroots efforts really shone. We were just all doing our best. It was incredible. Thanks for joining us for part two of our Mask Maker series. In our final episode, we'll be thinking about how, once those masks got on our faces, they became expressions of our identities. In this episode, you heard the voices of Vicki Lamprin, Tammy McNamara, Nancy Bell, Serenity Smith-Fortune, Aaron Agoyo, Eli Coughlin-Galbraith, Roz Whitaker-Heck, Mary Kay Shurnock, Mary Margaret Groberg, and Jennifer Matthews. Please do check out the show notes for this Mask Maker series, which you can find at www.vtfolklife.org untapped. You'll find photos, bonus audio clips, mask patterns, and more. You'll also find more information about all the amazing people we interviewed for this project. Vermont Untapped is produced by me, Mary Wesley. My brilliant co-producer and co-host for this series is Textilian Eliza West. Our executive producer, who also happens to be the VFC archivist, is Andy Kolovos. The cello music in this show was recorded by Dave Hoy, and the other musical tracks are from Pete's Posse, www.petesposse.com. Thanks for listening.